Welcome back, everyone, to the Mr. Quimbets Podcast NFL Conference Championship Preview. Hot off another solid week, and obviously the, cashing the big 40 to 1 ticket on Monday night with the Buckeyes, so we're riding high. But uh, we turned the page nonetheless, as I said to you guys the other day. You know, you enjoy the big W on Monday night, and you enjoy the win, but, uh, you know, wake up Tuesday morning, and you get ready, and you prep yourself for the next week and for the next day, and you, you don't look back. You're always looking forward. So I think that's a good way to uh, kind of set the table here for this week, going into the conference championships. And as usual, we've got a great guest on tonight. He's a long-term friend of the podcast. You guys all know him and love him. He joins us from the Arizona desert. It's Uncle Louie. Lou, how you doing tonight? Just uh, terrific, Mike. And, you know, I just want to pipe in and say, well, it's totally professional of you to turn the page and look forward. I do remember early in the season you uh, doing some jumping jacks about that Ohio State 40-1 to when quarterbacks were being changed. I just wish for one second I would have listened a little closer to it and jumped on as well. But, uh, well, you can't pat yourself on the back. I will. Those are good hits. They're they're really great to have, and you do turn the page. But forty to one, congratulations! Thanks, Lou. I appreciate. It. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of luck along the way uh, when you're cashing a season-long future like that. So we were fortunate enough and grateful enough to catch a lot of breaks, and uh, you know, just grateful enough to be in that position on Monday night, and uh, you know, locked in a little bit of a profit uh, with a little bit of a hedge on uh, the Oregon money line at minus two ten. Um, but the reality is that, uh, you know, we were very heavy on the Buckeyes, and luckily they came through for us. So very grateful for that yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And you got to walk away with money. You're a businessman, and, and I, I, I'm just as tickled as I can be for you. Thank you, Lou. I appreciate it. But I also want to take a moment, Lou, to thank you um, for doing the introduction to two great podcast guests that we've had over the last four or five weeks uh, Chris Andrews and Gil Alexander. Uh, I know you're very close with Chris. You do some work with Chris on uh, the website againstthenumber.com. And uh, I just want to thank you for pro- pro- excuse me for providing those introductions. And uh, both those shows were uh, very well received. And uh, you know, I think the listeners gained a lot of insight from uh, two guys that have a lot of experience in this industry. Oh, uh, hey, any time I can put. Uh, two reputable, honest professionals together, you, you absolutely take advantage of that. I, I just want to clarify, I do uh, I do all my UFC writing uh, that doesn't only appear on Gamble, it does also appear on Chris Andrews against the number dot com. Uh, however, Gil Alexander, I've never had a chance to outside to go back and forth with on Twitter. I, I don't uh, know and haven't had the chance to really get to know Gil. I sure would like to because he's another other guy I totally recognize as a consummate professional. Uh, that that introduction I know uh, from Chris came to Gil to you, but uh, eventually we'll all meet and it's one big happy family. So uh, thank you very much for mentioning that. Absolutely, Lou. Now you mentioned UFC, and I think it's a great segue. As uh, as you listeners all know, every time I have Lou on, uh, you know I let him have the floor and speak uh, a little bit about the upcoming UFC or U. Yeah, U. <laughs> I'm always thinking about Central Florida uh, UFC fights coming up, um, and I know there's some big ones coming up this weekend, Lou. So uh, please have at and uh, you know let the listeners know what you got your eye on. Uh, terrific. Uh, well, uh, this weekend is the UFC 59 card from Boston, 
And uh, it, it's actually, from my vantage point, a pretty tricky card. That said, uh, what any of the listeners will, will maybe key into is its main event, which is uh, Conor McGregor, the Irish phenom, is uh, coming in, and there's the UFC uh, has had some tremendous uh, luck and opportunity with McGregor's meteoric rise. They did a show in Ireland a few months back, and it, it was uh, on the equivalent of a Super Bowl. It went over well. I know it was a cash bonanza for the UFC. They're promoting this McGregor, and uh, this McGregor is young and brash and dangerous. He, he's he's a lethal He's a lethal fighter. I have to, uh, from just a cold, hard vantage point, give him his due. I, I, I think he's a little overly cocky and a little bit mouthy like young, talented kids can be. Um, but that, that's the fight that your folks are going to key in on. Uh, he opened up as a 6-1 to one favorite over a shorter, stockier German uh, tough fighter named Dennis Seaver. Uh, Seaver's got the experience, but he's a shorter man. He's nine years older than McGregor, and he's given away four inches of reach, and then on top of that, McGregor's a lefty. And so there's there's key angles to fights, and it has to do with how tall you are, how young you are, how long you are, and whether you're a lefty. And every one of those advantages goes to McGregor. So uh, this is basically, in my view, a fight that the UFC has made to help promote McGregor. Not only uh, will there be a million Irishmen that descend upon Boston for this fight, but there's a couple other Irish kids on the card. Boston is a great city, also is known for a great Irish population. And so uh, it, it should be just a, a real cool scene, except this will not be a competitive fight. I don't believe Seaver... Uh, I would be honest to say that if he could get into the second round, he'd be doing good. This is totally a setup to, uh, to prepare for uh, a future championship bout for the Irishman McGregor uh, with a guy named Jose Aldo, a Brazilian, and that'll be a mega fight that may go off in a stadium in Ireland. So I don't want to bore the readers with or your listeners with too much uh, minutia here over the main event because there's there's no angle in it and no value in it for me to pick. But there's a couple other fights on the card I'd like to talk to them about, and here they are uh, right right now. Um, in undercard fights, uh, again, I've given away the secret. I like to look for the longer, younger guy, and. Uh, if we can find a reach advantage, uh, it, it really works. And in the first fight of the night, uh, there's a there's a fight against a kid named Sanchez in the flyweight division. He's fighting uh, uh, a kid named Matsuda. So it's Sanchez versus Matsuda. Uh, they're about the same size as far as height, but Sanchez is a little younger, and he sports a three-inch reach advantage. He's a striker and wants to kick Matsuda. And, of course, Matsuda is a kid that's dropping down in weight, and he wants to try and take Sanchez down on the mat and make this thing really ugly uh, and and maybe beat Sanchez by taking him out of his comfort zone. Uh, now, while the advantage or, advantages are with the youthful, longer Sanchez, I, 
I'm going to talk out of the other side of my mouth in this fight and tell you that I think Matsuda's experience and the fact that he's dropping to 125 for this fight uh, makes him a live dog at plus 140. Currently, Sanchez is minus 160, and Matsuda is plus 140. Uh, the last thing I'll say for Matsuda is that for the last X amount of years, He's been training in Massachusetts, so this fight in Boston, in essence, is going to be a hometown fight for this kid. He'll have plenty of people there, and I would say that at plus 140, Matsuda's worth a look. It's the first fight of the uh, evening, and that's going to be 6 o'clock p.m. on Sunday, right when the Patriots game is going off. Uh, Now, that'll segue me into a little dissertation as to how the UFC could have a Sunday card right when the Patriots are playing at home, and and this is a card in Boston. So, you know, the the fans that go to NFL games are the fans that go to UFC fights. Really, that's across uh, that 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 uh, fan base, you know, crosses over. So, uh, it's an interesting scheduling flaw. I think had New England played elsewhere or earlier in the day, uh, it would have been something that people could have gone to both events but now i guess i'm just scratching my head over why they would both be in the same city at the same time uh so fight one matsuda at plus 140 if the line changes if he's plus 125 i'd say anything 125 or better is worth a poke and then a couple fights later uh we have a fight against rosa versus soriano I can give you first names of these guys if you want, but if the boys just write down last names or any of the ladies listening, uh, it'll be the third fight of the night. It's going off roughly at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, We like the kid Rosa. He's a complete fighter. Uh, I don't think uh, it's going to be any problem for him to try and take Soriano into the late rounds here. Uh, He debuted against... Uh, the guy in the main event we just were talking about, this Dennis Seaver, he he didn't win, um, but he fought well. I mean, this Seaver's a little fire hydrant. He's a tough guy. He's just not going to be able to stand up to McGregor. So uh, this Rose is also a hometown kid. We're kind of leaning to kids that are going to have some fans in the, uh, in the seats, and, and that's not a way of handicapping. That's just a contributing factor to the fact that the tools the kid has, uh, we like. He happens to have about the same reach and the same, he's about the same age as Soriano. Uh, I'm just worried about Soriano's gas tank. So and Soriano's going to come out and try and do his damage in the first round. If Rosa hears the bell for round two, I'm going to feel pretty good about uh, my chances with Rosa now. In this particular case, the hometown kid Rosa is minus 140. Soriano's plus 120. I don't like to play chalk, but in this case, I think Rosa's worth the look at minus 140 or less. Don't pay more than 140. So those are two of the card, two of the fights that I've been looking at in the undercard. And Mike, you've you've been good about letting me just completely ramble here. Have, do you have any questions, or have I missed anything that maybe you think any of the listeners might want to ask? 
I, Lou, I wouldn't even know where to begin, my friend. I mean, I, I'm not a, a, an MMA guy. Uh, you know, that's why I let you have the floor here. Um, so I think you've covered great ground like you usually do. And I know, uh, you know, the, the, the picks and the moves you give out on the podcast in the past have uh, panned out very well uh, for most of the listeners that have, uh, you know, taken the time to write them down. So, you know, hopefully they were listening. And, uh, you know, it's always great information, Lou. And I think it brings a nice diversity to the podcast. Okay, well, uh, perfect. I just, uh, I mean, I know I'm kind of on a filibuster here, and I just, if you if you want to get get a word in edgewise, just just stop me. So let's talk about two more fights on the card for your folks. Uh, maybe two and a half more fights, uh, and and I would say in the two angles that I just gave, if I'm a hundred dollar better, uh, I'm going to bet a hundred on every one of these fights I give. Those first two, those are fifties. So I I put a little half unit on these first two undercards. Now I'll give uh, one more half unit, and then I'll give you two units. So a guy that just wants to play a couple fights should wait for the last two. Here's the third one. Uh, I think this is the last fight of the uh, card that will be broadcast on Fox. So uh, I think the whole, actually, this is a fight night. So all these fights are free and they're going to be on Fox. Uh, there's another hometown kid. His name is Howard. He's a short uh, welterweight fighting another kid named Larkin. So you have Howard and Larkin at welterweights, they're gonna weigh, which means they're going to weigh 170 uh, at the weigh-in, probably 182 at the night of the fight. Howard is a short kid from Boston, and uh, he's a grinder. He's going to want to hug and maul and completely brawl, take a guy against the edge of the cage, get a guy to the mat, and just make the thing an ugly affair where he's on top in an ideal world throwing elbows and just mauling his opponent. Howard's a, a, a little shorter. He's a little older than his opponent Larkin, and we are now we're going to listen to our advice. And Larkin, being the younger man, three inches, four inches taller, and having an inch or two reach advantage, is dropping down. He used to fight at 205, then he dropped weight to 185. And at both of those weight classes, Larkin's reach was such that he had to be the guy that had to bob and weave and be smoking Joe to try and get inside the long jab of Ali, if I can make an analogy to old boxing, okay? So Larkin now with this weight drop from 205 to 170, now he's not doing that in a two-month period. He's done that over six, eight months, so his body's adjusted. Uh, this weight at 170, I think, is going to fit Larkin well. I think he's not going to be the shorter guy. He's going to be a little taller and longer than Howard, and uh, I think he can stay on his feet and his takedown defense and such that uh, that I think there's value at, Lark at Larkin, uh, even though he is fighting against the hometown kid. Now, in this particular fight, you can catch Larkin. He's a minus 150. Uh, and minus 150, I'm sure everyone knows you bet $150 to win 100. So I don't give out chalk much. I'm always a dog MMA UFC guy, but I, I gotta I gotta try and find the value where the guys are right. And so rather than just blindly stay to dogs because I have to stay to dogs, that, that's not the way to try and be profitable. The way to try and be profitable is is to try and find some value. And I think Larkin, uh, at minus 150, is going to win a decision over Howard and uh, really stay on his feet and, and beat Howard 
from a standing striking perspective. So there's the third half unit, if you will. And so now let's talk about the two uh, fights on the main card that I think we can have some fun with. Uh, first one is a guy named Tibau, who is a Brazilian fighting against an Irishman in, in uh, Park. Uh, Park has been on all the cards that McGregor has been on, and it only makes sense for the UFC uh, to try and market two or three Irishmen when they can. There's also another Irishman on the card uh, that'll be fighting on the card. And so in the USC zeal to export themselves in other countries, Asia, Australia, and Europe, uh, they find these fighters and they give them a place to fight. And one of these fighters is a kid named Park, and he's he's sharp and he's flashy and he's got some talent. But the competition that he has faced is is nowhere near the kind of competition this kid Tebow has faced. Uh, Tebow is a grinding wrestler with Brazilian jiu-jitsu that's going to want to try and smother this kid Park, get right next to him, and just completely grind him to a pulp. Uh, Tebow to Park. Park is viewing Tebow as a stepping stone. If Park can beat Tebow, he gets his name elevated immediately, but it's a huge step up in class. I don't think he should be making it quite so soon, and I think this is this is Tebow uh, who opened 210 to Park plus 160, you can now catch Tebow minus 130 because uh, there's action on Park, and it's the, it's the Irish people uh, coming from Ireland, and I think it's also uh, wagers uh, in the UFC that have seen Park and that, that they like his skill set, and they're underestimating how bad this Tebow is. But Tebow going to beat this boy, in my opinion, and catching him minus 130 off of, with 80 cents of value off of opener is too much for me to say no to. So that's one of my two best positions for the night. And the last one will be in the co-main event, Benson Henderson's going to fight Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, these will be fighters that your listeners have heard of before. Uh, Benson Henderson was the champion in the division, uh, the lightweight division for some time, lost it to Pettis, the current champion. Uh, Henderson and Cowboy, this will be their third fight in the first one, a really sensational uh, fight where when it was on the feet, Cowboy was beating the bejeebies out of Henderson, and when it got got to the floor, uh, Henderson was getting the best of Cowboy, and it was a decision in Henderson's favor. The second fight, Henderson submitted him immediately, but in the last few fights, Henderson has been, in my opinion, less active, and it, and it comes from a guy that's got a lot of years on him. He's got a lot of wear and tear. He, he fights out of Glendale, Arizona, and I've been to his camp, and I really respect the guy, but if you're twisting my arm and forcing me to be real, it's my opinion that Henderson... Uh, especially if he loses this fight, he's, he's waning and his career is going away. In fact, I'm certain that Henderson views this as almost a must win for him, uh, because, uh, he's coming off a knockout, to junior, uh, uh, to Rafael dos Anjos and, uh, his chin has started to look a little susceptible and he's looked less active the last three or four fights in my opinion. Meanwhile, 
Cowboy Cerrone comes in. These guys are the same age, but Cerrone is about three inches taller. He's got three inches of length. Uh, he's got three inches of reach, and he's a striker, and he throws kicks, and he has every he throws everything with bad intentions. And while he's lost the first two to Henderson, I think I see Cerrone at this particular juncture in his career as improving and and on the way up. And I see Henderson as possibly uh, staying the same or maybe waning just a bit. So uh, the fight opened minus one twenty on each side. Uh, Henderson's now minus 150 and Cowboys plus 130. And boy, if you can get Cowboy Cerrone at plus 130 in this fight, uh, I think you have a real live dog on your hands. So there's three half plays that we've given the listeners. One is Matsuda, the first fight of the night. And the third fight of the night is Rosa. And then... the third play we'll give you, which is later in the uh, uh, initial card, Lorenz Larkin, he's minus 150 or less. And then the two, if you're if you're just going to play two and be smart and just try and win one and and uh, then hit the other, you got Gleason Tebow at minus 130, and then last Cowboy Cerrone at plus 130. So uh, hopefully your listeners will take advantage. I can tell you that these are the five uh, positions that we will release, uh, of course, pending the weigh-ins on Saturday. Uh, Our blog will be up at gamblue.com as well as againstthenumber.com. And what you'll basically get is what I just got done saying on the phone to your listeners. So they're, they're getting, in essence, my blog a few days early. Good stuff, Lou. I appreciate it. And hopefully everyone had their pens and papers out, uh, writing down all, you know, feverishly writing down all those names and uh, the numbers to wager them at. But uh, very good stuff, Lou. Always appreciate the change of pace into the MMA game. And I know the listeners, uh, you know, you've got a nice little following for yourself on the MMA, on the MMA side. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the listeners enjoyed uh, getting some additional information about the big car coming up on Sunday. Uh, sure, I hope I hope I didn't bore them, and let's get on to football because I know there's a lot more of them want to talk about that. Absolutely. So you know, obviously, guys, we're always uh, as a disclaimer, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so uh, you know, a lot of things can change between now and then. A lot of new information can come in, but this is uh, the opinions that we give out tonight are at least where we stand at the moment. So let's start with the first game on Sunday, Lou, the NFC title game: Green Bay Packers at the Seattle Seahawks. Somewhere between minus seven to minus seven and a half for Seattle at the moment. What are your thoughts, Lou? Yeah. Um, well, first, first, let me just say a couple things as we wane into these last few games of the year, if I may, Mike. And that is, is that it's. It, I've been struggling here for a couple of days trying to figure out what my best position is going to be on these games. Contrary to what I think many do in practice. Uh, these two games, uh, if they were on a regular Sunday card, there's only one of them that I'd be playing, and it's the the one we're going to about to discuss. 
just because we're at the end of the season we're, and we're down to wild card or divisional or two games or Super Bowl doesn't doesn't mean I have to bet them. This is a business, and it's a cold, hard business. We do this for profit. Our thrill comes in making a deposit slip. It doesn't come in making a bet and then watching to see if my team wins. That 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 is not how we try and approach this. And so we do not feel the need to have to have strong opinions on each of these games and which is good because I don't have I, I, I don't have strong opinions on both games. I just have strong opinions on one game. And so just because we're late in the season doesn't mean we ratchet up our numbers because football's going away and we gotta bet more because the games are more important also. This game that we're about to talk about goes off on Sunday afternoon, but it's the same game as it, to me as if I was betting uh, Monday night football after week three. So my units on these two games that we're going to discuss are going to be the same units wagered as if it's, this was a regular season game in week two or week three, and I would strongly encourage uh, any of the listeners to adhere to that kind of a principle. Uh, when you start to ratchet up your your wager amount just because of the geography or what time of year it is that that's that's not logical and I would warn against that kind of a play. So I'm I'm done preaching, and and now I'll try and answer your question. Uh, when I handicap this game, I handicap Seattle as a four point favorite. Now, when I look at the game emotionally, I wonder how Green Bay can stay on the field with Seattle. That, that's what I'm supposed to be thinking, because honestly, Seattle, uh, when they were at their best, was last year's Super Bowl and week one of this year, and they caught Green Bay on week one of this year when they were at their best, and we saw what happened. And now we're 17 weeks later, and I would think that as I assess Seattle, I assess them as damn near where they were in week one. And when I look at Green Bay, I'm worried about Rodgers. I'm worried about their run D. But those are all the emotional side. My power numbers, and I trust my power numbers, they say four. Okay, so now I'm going to wipe out all the emotional things I just talked about and look at the number four. Now I look and see that Green Bay is catching seven and a half, and so I have to study a little further. Where were Green Bay's last five games, really? I mean, had they been beat up by travel? Well, week 16, they were at Tampa Bay. Week 17, they were home against Detroit. Then they got a bye. Then they played Dallas at home. They've been home for a month, for crying out loud. Now they got to go to Seattle. So is Seattle a tough place to play? Yes. But Green Bay was there earlier this year, so they've got a taste of it. And so... Initially, as I fight through who I like in this game, uh, those are some of the things that I'm thinking. Now, I have some other aspects to this game I like, but I'd, I'd like to have your some of your input, Mike, and and see you know what you're thinking. I don't have a strong opinion on this game. I do lean Green Bay, especially at seven and a hook. I think the key to this game, quite frankly, is going to be Green Bay's ability to run the ball. If they're able to establish a ground game in any way, shape, or form, 
I think it changes the complexity of the game going into the second half. Um, so, you know, yes, I, I'm concerned that Rodgers is hurt. You know, it just is what it is at this point in the season. Uh, and, you know, God knows, it, you know, as long as the guy doesn't have a, a limb hanging off him, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll be behind center uh, no matter what the scenario is come Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, Seattle has had an interesting season. At points, they've looked average or slightly above average. At other points, they have looked exceptional. Um, last week was just an okay outing in my mind. Um, you know, yes, they covered. Uh, yes, they were able to put them away in the second half. But it wasn't a very dominant performance, I didn't feel, uh, against a team that, quite frankly, they are head over heels much better than. Um, the Packers, you know, obviously Rodgers is, is an enormous X factor because he can do so many things. Um, even with the, the calf injury, he's, you know, he was able to obviously lead them back last week uh, to a big victory against the Cowboys. So that's why I think, and, and defensively, and Jalou, I think you alluded to this, you know, the Packers defense is just okay. Um, it's certainly not on par with Seattle's defense. But I think if Green Bay is able to establish a run game, which is easier said than done, obviously, but if they're able to execute, if they have the right game plan and they're able to execute, uh, especially early, um, and establish some sort of ground game before halftime, I think that will set the table very nicely for them in the second half. Um, there, I think there's definitely value here at 7.5. Um, I mean, I'm not running to bet either of these teams at the moment, uh, and again, we're only here on Wednesday night, so things can change between now and Sunday. Um, but sitting here right now, there's definitely value at seven and a half because you've got so many key numbers covered. Um, and, you know, Rodgers has just had a very special season. And maybe, the, you know, the magic continues and they're able to go up to Seattle and win. Um, so it should be a great one, Lou. Any other further thoughts? Yeah, actually, I have layers, <laughs> um, but I wanted you to I wanted you to input because you made you, you usually do you made a couple of my points. You know, I might disagree that that Seattle's that much better than Carolina. Uh, I think Carolina gets a bad rap, and they were playing pretty good at the end of the year. But let's 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 focus on what we're focusing on, and and let's just here's a couple angles uh, that I get to when I get to a big game like this. I, I try not to get bombarded with too much minutiae information. Let's, I, I just wanted to try and keep it simple. And so when these two teams played at the beginning of the year, it was a four-and-a-half-point line right where I got it now. And my numbers, my power rankings on each of these teams in week uh, you know, 18 here in the playoffs is not much different than I opened them at the beginning of the year. And so uh, I, I, I'm getting, I believe I'm getting some value on, on Green Bay. If I look back a few years, Years, what's the last NFC team that won back-to-back NFC titles and went to the Super Bowl? Oh, that's Green Bay, right? And so Green Bay is the last team that's done that. That's another thing that I guarantee you McCarthy is talking about in the locker room. Green Bay went up there and got their nose bloodied week one. They're proud guys. Rodgers won the Super Bowl two years ago. They know how to win. They've been they've they've tasted defeat, and they got a lot of pride going into Seattle. And boy, if you don't tell me they're not a live road dog, uh, I'll just dispute it with you. 
uh, now you couple it with the fact that all you got to do is turn on any sports channel you want, and you're not hearing anything about Green Bay. And if you are, you're hearing about how shitty their defense is. And quite honestly, last week, four sacks, eight hits on Romo, uh, Julius Pepper starting to show his his capabilities, and that's against a Dallas offensive line that's that's a damn good offensive line. So uh, my concern with Green Bay is Rundy, uh, how they're going to handle that, and the other big point uh, that you made was the fact that. Uh, uh, Eddie Lacy uh, got a concussion in game one. He had 12 carries for 34 yards. Starks came in, carried for another 37. So uh, I believe uh, that seven and a half in Green Bay is a good position. It's my position. I'm going to give it out. Uh, I think they're, of the two dogs, they're the more capable dog based on schedule based on what players think in the locker room the pride that the packers have the fact that there's more than a handful of them that won a super bowl with rogers three years ago or so and that group has tasted the sweetness of of uh championships and now they're going to a place that yes seattle's big and yeah they're bad but they're protecting it now they're not going out they, they're not i'm not saying they're not hungry but there's a different mentality because they're not trying to get it they're trying to keep it and i like green bay for all those reasons i think they're all solid points lou you know if you're looking just to pick off numbers i mean obviously seven and a half has the value there uh you make two good points i want to uh expand a little bit on one is a revenge factor um you know i think it's ironic now that you know we've we started week one with uh with green bay seattle and fast forward now to uh mlk weekend and we're here on a conference championship sunday with the same matchup uh so you know i i think there is going to be um you know a little bit more uh motivation from a green bay standpoint you know especially as you alluded to a lot of the pride that rogers and the rest of the crew bring in that locker room if you're trying to understand the biorhythms of these teams which is essential i think uh to handicapping sports i think the other point you make lou which is excellent and i think you know, I don't want it to get lost here in in, uh, in the discussion. Is what has changed so dramatically from week one to today to warrant a three point line move? Yeah, you totally agree. I totally agree. You know, Green Bay. Okay, Rogers has an amazing season. They win the division. They earn a bye week, uh, and they knock off a very very capable uh, Dallas Cowboys team uh, last weekend in Lambeau. Other than the Rodgers injury, even though he's still playing, I mean, he's not even out, right? He's still playing. So if you're going to say, if Rodgers was out in this game, I would say Aaron Rodgers is probably worth close to a field goal. I mean, there's only a small handful of guys. Lou, you know this. There's only a small handful of guys uh, in the NFL that actually warrant line movement due to an injury. And Rodgers would be one of those guys. And he's probably worth like three Let's be all right. In, in reality, because it, it, it would get inflated, probably four points to the, to the number. So now he's injured, all right? Or, you know, he's got a bum leg at the moment. Let's say that's worth a half a point or a point, maybe, because he's not technically at 100%. That still gives you two to two and a half points of line value based off of the number at the beginning of the season, where again, 
not much has changed. I mean, I could make the argument that, as I said earlier about Seattle, they've looked kind of average or above average during certain points of the season, and they've looked uh, dominant during certain points of the season. The same thing with Green Bay. There's been points where they've just looked average, and they've also looked dominant in other stretches. So I don't think the gap between these two teams uh, from week one to now, uh, the middle of January, has changed all that much. And that's, I, I agree. I mean, I think. And if it's changed, I think the Packers may have closed it down. Because let's just take a look at, I mean, last week the Packers played the Dallas offense. And if I, and you're going to compare Seattle's offense against Dallas's offense, I don't care what, where they're playing. Dallas's offense is more potent. Packers had no problem with them. I, I shouldn't say no problem, but they, they won the game and they played capably. Okay. Now you're going to give me, uh, uh, the Carolina offense playing against Seattle uh, in what was a tight NFC contest. Green Bay's offense is not Carolina's offense. In that first game, Devontae Adams caught no balls. He's a he's a rookie. He caught no balls against Seattle. I guarantee you he's going to be active as hell come Sunday. And so I, I see a lot of things on Green Bay that I like. And, and I'll tell you another angle, uh, listeners, this one I really like too. Green Bay first half catching four. I mean, that you ought to go to confession for that. We're going to get Green Bay's absolute best effort on Sunday. And that game at half in the first game they played this year was 17-10. to 10. Okay, and it was the Marshawn Lynch show. I really think that if you can, you're going to give me the four that I was catching in the whole game last week in the first half of this uh, or in week one, if I can catch, catch that four in a halftime play this week, uh, this is my game, and I'll be on the halftime play with four. I'll be on Green Bay at seven and a half, and I'm going to watch the game, and I, I'm going to hope that Green Bay goes out there and punches Seattle right in the nose, and if it's a field goal game, I'll be as pleased as I can be. I'm with you, Lou. I, you know, again, I have not bet this game, but um, I haven't bet either of these games, quite frankly. But, um, you know, I think you make a couple soft points. I think for Green Bay, the key is really going to be to get out of the first quarter. Just don't get buried early where now the crowd becomes a factor. You're playing from behind. Now you're not going to be able to establish that run game that I alluded to earlier uh, as efficiently or as effectively uh, as you could have if the game was tighter early on. Um, just don't find yourself down 13, 14, nothing in the first quarter. Yeah, no, we're gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna play the Eddie Lacy and the James Stark show and try and keep this thing uh, tight. And uh, we're gonna get a good effort in the first half. And you know, if you're worried about Rogers' injury, then play the first half bet because you know the chances are the longer it goes, maybe the more prone he gets. He practiced on Wednesday in limited fashion, which is more than he did last week. So uh, I'm not looking at injuries or excuses. I'm trying to pick the right team i'm with you lou good stuff uh so let's turn the page now to the afc game the night one uh indianapolis colts at the new england patriots uh the line is somewhere around minus six and a half in favor of the patriots full disclosure on this one uh as some of the listeners and some of the followers on twitter know because uh, i bet and posted this back in the summertime I'm sitting on a Colts plus 1,200 to win the AFC and a Colts plus 3,000 to win the Super Bowl. Um, so 
I'm a little biased in this game because obviously from an outright perspective, I'm looking for the Colts to win. I did hedge a little bit by taking the Patriots to win the Super Bowl at plus 175 because that's a better money line than you'll get in a head-to-head matchup in either of the scenarios, either New England versus Green Bay, where they would be a slight favorite or a pick them, uh, or uh, with Seattle, where they would be at the very most a four-point dog, probably a three-point dog. 175 is still better money line that you'd be able to get in either of those matchups. Uh, so I thought from a um, sensible hedging standpoint, instead of laying, I think it's like 275 or something like that uh, on the money line just in this one game, uh, I thought it would be a good hedge and then he would just ride the Patriots out in the Super Bowl at plus money. And then take it even step further, if it ends up being Green Bay, New England, and Green Bay's the favorite, now you can grab Green Bay as a dog on the money line in the Super Bowl, and now you've got a profit locked in either way because you've got two, uh, you know, two plus money moves uh, on on either team. So, just things for you guys to think about where you know you can kind of get a little creative sometimes uh, with these futures and how to potentially hedge them off. Uh, but I did hedge a little bit off again with the pay- Patriots plus one seventy five to win the Super Bowl. Um, but nonetheless, you know, they still have to play the game on Sunday. You know, the Colts are a team that I backed against the Bengals. I backed against the Broncos. Uh, I've been saying all year round uh, that I don't understand, uh, although I love it because they've been winning for me uh, throughout the season and certainly here in January, uh, that the public and the syndicate money seems to always be against Indianapolis. And I just don't understand that. And maybe it's from a numbers perspective. The team just wins. I mean, this is a a well-coached team. They've got a great quarterback. Yeah, they may not have that great run game. Yeah, they may not have that great defense. But at the end of the day, they just seem to get the job done week in and week out. And you know what? Maybe they just do it. I mean, quite frankly, and I said this on Twitter, I think either yesterday or today, at least one of these dogs is going to win outright. I really would be very surprised to see a Seattle-New England Super Bowl. I really do believe that one of these dogs is going to win outright this weekend. Um, And... I think as just as well as the Packers are positioned to beat Seattle, I think the Colts are an equal good position. Um, you know, I know they kind of, you can say the word lucky, but I mean, they caught Manning obviously uh, in a bad spot. And I talked about that last week on the podcast with Gil Alexander, how I thought for the last couple of weeks that Manning was definitely injured and that the talk the next day after the game would be that Manning was injured. And sure enough, that's exactly what played out. Um, you know, obviously that's not the case here with Brady. However, you know, what's New England? New England's not, they're not, this is not a special New England team, right? This is not like the, you know, the year they went 16-0 and um, or even the year, you know, when they played the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I mean, they were incredibly dominant that entire season. Uh, this was a New England team that started out very slow and progressively uh, got better as the season waned on. But the reality is that they're still, I mean, they're a very good team, but I mean, they're not some, none of these four teams are very dominant where, you know, you just anticipate one of these teams to hoist the Lombardi trophy. I mean, it's very wide open here. Um, so I would not be surprised uh, to see again, you know, I lean both dogs this weekend, um, you know, no wagers as of yet, but, uh, I would not be surprised to see the Colts hang around this one. Lou, I, I don't know if you have a different opinion, uh, but you know, the Colts just seem to be a team that no one's really liked except for me all season. 
Uh, yeah, but I think people. I, I think they're. I think people like him this week, and and that that scares me a little bit. And I well, then a, I that's saw a, that's a good point. I, I agree with you. When I saw the line movement. And I started hearing syndicates were picking up the Colts. I said, "Oh shit, here we go. This is this is exactly what I didn't want. This is what, this is the opposite of what happened last week." Right, and and Mike, usually you and I are spot on. And in this particular game, and in this particular case, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna basically spell out the reason why I'm so unsure about this game, and I and I will probably not play this game and the reason I'm not going to play this game is because I have too many things that I do, that that are conflicting for me uh first of all I, I have tr- unbelievable respect for Belichick I think New England is an unbelievably strong team and if you had a gun to my head while well, I I like the Packers in seven and a half this is a this is chalk chalk this is Seattle New England uh in my humble opinion and here's here's my dilemma i got belichick and brady on the one hand uh i got a defense in new england that's underrated it's built with defensive tackles and cornerbacks and and i'm a defensive guy and an old school guy and that's how you build defense i look at indies just like we did with green bay let's take the road team and look at their last five games okay well week 16 at dallas Week seven, and we knew what happened there. Uh, week seventeen at Tennessee, uh, a wild card home against Cincinnati. Uh, then they go to Denver. Now they come home. Now they're going to go to New England. So in the last five weeks, then as of Sunday, that'll be four games on the road. That means something to me. Uh, Indianapolis today has some lunk-headed linebacker that comes out making headlines, uh, and I'm not going to discuss what the headlines were. You can look it up yourself, but there's a dumb shit linebacker that just made a distraction for his team today making headlines. That matters to me. Uh, I, 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 I know that Indy is the kind of team the NFL wants to see in the Super Bowls. The NFL wants Indy in this game against New England because they're all pass and they're no fundamental. Where's the run game? Where's the D? I I, I just think Indy's incomplete. Um, that said, what you said earlier, luck just keeps winning. Uh, you, you can't, t- you know, so what if Manning was hurt? He was hurt, the, you know, two weeks earlier in week 17 and he played. I mean, hurt, Manning's not going to use it ex- as an excuse. So I'm not going to use it as an excuse against Indy. They just keep winning. So uh, I'm torn. Is it going to be the new young team that where the NFL wants to go that wins and, and shows all old school guys like me that want to see running game and defense that the NFL's changing? Or is it going to be fundamentals? And so I, I just I'm just very torn on the game, um, but in my heart and it, 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 I just I just can't see. I, I I'm just very nervous. I, I'm scared of New England. I'm very scared of New England. You know, Lou. I mean, I'm with you about you know defense and run game. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, I have the same feeling, and that's really you know the kind of football I appreciate to watch. And they're the kind of teams I like to back uh, typically. Um, again, I've not wagered anybody in this game. Uh, I'm not, I may end up passing on both games this weekend, quite frankly, because I, I think, yes, there's some value here with the dogs, uh, you know, especially with the Packers, because you got the hook there. Um, 
but there's nothing overwhelming enough. You know, I'm very disciplined. You got to exercise proper money management. You know, as you alluded to earlier, Lou, just because we're here on Championship Sunday doesn't mean you have to wager the games because they're on TV and they're standalone games. You know, I I, I may, uh, you know, kind of uh, shelter my resources here and, and uh, you know, just focus on college hoops for the weekend, but we'll see what happens uh, over the next couple of days. Yeah, but, yeah but, but Mike, excuse the interruption, but Mike, in all due respect, you got these futures riding. So, so your situation and that of me and the rest of your listeners that don't have the future riding, that, that's night and day. That's black and white, left and right. I mean, you, you know, you with those future tickets must take a business approach to this. That's going to force you to look at the game different than the way a guy like me is looking at. I don't have any future interest in the game. This would be a one play game for me. And so we're talking about night and day here. And so, uh, while, while we tend to disagree as to how the flow of the game may go, believe me, uh, I'm tainted by the fact that I don't have the futures and you're tainted by the fact that you do. Uh, oh, I won't. I won't deny that at all, Lou. I think it's a solid point for sure. Um, yeah, no. I, I and and let me make this clear before I give you the microphone again. I'd rather be the. I'd rather be you, the guy with the futures working. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, really. I mean, I, congratulations. You're in an enviable position, and so which all you're all you're expressing to your listeners is the fact that you've got to look at it like a businessman and cover yourself. And and, and that's what that's why I love coming on your shows, Mike, because it, that's good advice. We're not here to take try and go into the Win Casino and take all Mister Win's money because that ain't going to work. But if we can take a, a dollar a day from him for 365 days, I'll do that all day long. For sure. I mean, the game's hard to cap, right? Because I could see Luck throwing for 400-plus and finding a way to stay inside the number and maybe even find a way to win it. I could also see, you know, the genius Belichick, who I put on a pedestal in terms of NFL coaches, um, and Brady, who I put on a pedestal of, uh, of, of uh, quarterbacks. And I'm not just talking about current guys I'm talking about of all time greats both on the head coaching side and on the uh, quarterback side I could see Belichick finding ways to disguise schemes confuse luck and the next thing you know luck has you know a one TD three interception uh, type of day and you know this is a freight train type of game for New England um it's real it's one or the other I, I think New England either blows them out or Indianapolis finds a way to win it uh, late in the game. Um, and that's why for me, I mean, yes, I, I am a bit biased or skewed because of the futures, but I'm, if I'm taking that out of the equation, I'm really trying to handicap the game. I mean, to me, this game's much, uh, there's less bullet points to handicap in this game than there is in the first game that we talked about because it's very simple. It's either can luck beat new England's defense or does Belichick find a way to slow down luck? And, you know, it'll be a great chess match. You know, you make a lot of great points. I mean, yes, Indy, you know, historically speaking, they don't really have a run game and they don't really have a defense, but the reality is they just keep winning. And, you know, like I said, I mean, luck could very well go for three, four touchdowns, throw for over 400 yards, and maybe they find a way to win this thing. Or he throws a bunch of interceptions and, you know, new England just grinds them out. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in cornerbacks, and I, I, I mean, you don't even have to be Belichick to know that if you take T.Y. Hilton out, those two tight ends ain't going to beat you. I'm not afraid of Nix uh, and Reggie Wayne. I, 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 uh, I, I'm scared to death of New England, um, but I, I see, see your point, and I'll be looking forward to this one. Here's what I'm hoping happens is that we got a, you know, some kind of a Green Bay cover, uh, and or win in the first game, and I can sit down and you know relax and unwind while I watch this second game and pull you in, try and get Indianapolis in for you. You know, you win all that money, come down here, we'll play some golf. <laughs> Absolutely, that sounds like a great time, Lou. But like I said, <laughs> I, my my gut tells me the lean boat dogs this weekend, and I also think that one of these teams is going to win outright. Um, which one? I guess you know kind of flip a coin but uh i i agree with your packers move uh lou i mean i think there's definitely value especially at seven and a hook um but it should be two great games absolutely it'll be two great games and uh you know i know we're winding down i want to I, I, I just want to tell you you're doing great work your guests on these podcasts are awesome uh and i i listen to your picks and and i'm prone to tail you more than not mike you're a sharp guy uh you have a good listener base and and you deliver just tremendous insight intelligence and knowledge to your listeners i'm tickled to be a contributor and just want to congratulate you on what a great job you do on these podcasts i appreciate it lou and you know, all those accolades could be said for you as well and uh you know i really appreciate you always coming on the show uh bringing some great mma information and obviously uh you know your depth of experience and knowledge regarding the nfl game is second to none well we'll see i mean you know we, we got to watch the games and you know on monday hopefully i'm smart if i'm not we turn the page and we're on to the super bowl Absolutely, Lou. So, gun to your head right now. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's going to win the whole thing? Uh, New England. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think Belichick's got something over there. He's giddy the way he's been set up for this thing, and I do think uh, Seattle's susceptible. I think they're all fair points. If it is a New England-Seattle Super Bowl and you're going to be three, potentially four points with New England, uh, no doubt about it, uh, the money will be with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So, Lou, you know, you get, go ahead. We, remember, we remember five, six years ago the greatest show on turf went and New England shouldn't have even have been in the Super Bowl with them, and they found a way there. We'll see. It, it'll be interesting. But I'm sorry to cut in. No, it's okay, Lou. The crazy part is that was more like 14 or 15 years ago now. So Yeah, it probably was, wasn't it? That gosh, that's, that's how, when you get old, it all melds into one. <laughs> Well, I appreciate the time, Lou, as usual. Please uh, take a moment, let the uh, listeners know about where they can find you online, on Twitter, about your consulting service, anything you want to plug here. Yes, we did consulting in the NFL this year, and next year we'll do it again. Uh, we'll do some more advertising, and we'll utilize the uh, the clients we had this year as testimony to what we did. Uh, we had a good year. We're having a better playoffs. Uh, and UFC and NFL enthusiasts can find me at gamblue.com. And I, all of my uh, UFC blogs are also, uh, fortunately, Chris Andrews puts him on his great website against the number.com. Uh, any of your listeners that would want to ask me a question or di- uh, address me directly could catch me at gamblue at gmail.com. 
And so, uh, Mike, once again, thank you so much for the exposure. You're doing a great job. I take basketball off, but uh, I'll stay in touch with you through Twitter on the DM, and thank you so much for letting me be on. Absolutely, Lou. Anytime, please uh, you know, feel free. And, uh, guys, make sure you're following Lou on Twitter. He's a great resource and a great man, so uh, give him uh, some follows there and make sure you check out his information on those blogs. So that's it for this week, everybody. Hopefully you guys had your pens and papers out. Got a lot of good information. Uh, as usual, you can subscribe to the podcast both on iTunes and on SoundCloud. But until next time, good luck and keep cashing.